We, uh, we have the opportunity to, as Stacy uh, mentioned, just to come together and worship. And whether you've been in church a long time or maybe this is your very first day stepping foot into church, uh, there are two passages that are very well known, very famous. The first one, of course, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then the other one is Psalm 23. And maybe you're sitting here and maybe you're not familiar with Psalm 23. So I'm going to bring you back to when you were growing up and you went to grandma's house. Uh, Psalm 23 was probably one of these passages that was framed or stitched on a pillow or found somewhere in grandma's house. And some of you grandmas have that somewhere in your house today, all right? And so Psalm 23 is, is such a powerful passage, and that's probably why it's very well known, because it's a very powerful and has so much meaning. And, and as we've entered the season of Thanksgiving, I think Psalm 23 has an added meaning to it. And I don't say that because it's a Thanksgiving psalm. It's not because David was sitting around the turkey when he wrote this. All right, But this is because Psalm 23 allows us to kind of see a glimpse of God and a glimpse of us. And it gives us the opportunity to be thankful for God, for his provision, for his presence, and for his promises in our life. And so this morning we're going to have the opportunity to, to look at Psalm 23 and kind of unpack it. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 23. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along on the screen or in your bulletin or in your U version. Whatever you find helps you. Um, and we're going to be looking at the first two verses of Psalm 23. And if you're there, this is what Psalm 23 in the first two verses says. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, I love how David kind of starts off the, the, the passage. Right off the bat, he makes his focus on the most important, God. He says, before, before we go any further, let me just clarify this and let me just make sure, God. And, and the, the, the word that David uses, to, uh, uses for God, Lord, is the, the Hebrew word Yahweh, which was a very prestigious name for God. Kind of the ultimate name for God. The Almighty, the self-existent, the eternal God, the Alpha and the Omega. Yeah, that God. And he goes on to say, He is my shepherd. So the God of the universe, the God that spoke the world into existence, that God, he's my God. He's my shepherd. And then he continues because he says, and because of that, I shall not want. Now growing up, I misunderstood that, that, that passage and uh, that verse because I thought that David was saying, hey, because God is so great, I don't want any part of it. I don't deserve any part of that. I don't, I don't deserve his greatness. 
But looking into it, what David is saying is he's speaking on God's greatness. He's saying, yes, he is a great God. And because of that, I don't have any wants. I will not have any wants because my shepherd will fulfill them. Another translation says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And then we go on in verse 2, and David describes what those needs are and how his shepherd is able to meet them. Verse 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. Now, as a city boy, this sounds more like a punishment than than what it actually is. But, But for a sheep, this is good. I mean, this is goodness, that you will take me to green pastures and make me lie down, and you will take me beside still waters, you will lead me there. And I think it's important to see that the shepherd is providing and meeting those needs of his sheep. But what I want to look at is that he is going above and beyond. Because notice what he says. Notice the pastures are green. Notice the waters are still. This shepherd is not finding the nearest pasture. Just any pasture will do. He's not taking his sheep to just any water, raging rivers. No, no, no. He is specifically going above and beyond to make sure that he is meeting the needs. But like a loving shepherd, he's taking care of the sheep. And he's finding a place where these sheep, we, will be taken care of. That our bodies, our souls will find rest and will find peace. And I think in a world that brags about the hustle of life, the busyness, that if you're not doing too much, you're not doing it right, we tend to miss and overlook those green pastures and those still waters. But again, a loving shepherd will make sure that we find those green pastures and he will lead us by those still waters because he knows how important it is because God is always working in the background because God is always looking out for his sheep and knowing these two verses knowing this about our shepherd we can be thankful and we can be thankful for God who provides we can be thankful for God's provision in our life, that even when we don't see it, God is working. That when we're, when he is out there with us by our sides, he's finding and making us lie down in those green pastures, that he is leading us by those still waters. That the good shepherd is always up to something good in our life as a provider. So now that we're able to see ourselves In Psalm 23, I want us to read those two verses again. So if you would stand up with me, and if you would read verses 1 and 2 out loud with me. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters.
When I'm in the roughest water, I won't go under, I won't drown. And when I'm in over my head, I know that you won't let me down. And when I'm broken and down to nothing, I know that you are always up to something good. I know that you are always up to something good. surrounds me, I won't feel. And when I'm broken and down to nothing, I know that you are always up to something good. I know that you are always up to something good. shepherd I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores 
my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In verses 3 and 4, David keeps writing from the viewpoint of a sheep that's looking to God to be his shepherd. Verse 3 begins with, he restores my soul. The provision that we saw in verse 2 of green pastures and still waters leads to the restoration that our souls so desperately need. But these green pastures are not the end of our story. They are simply a waypoint along a journey that our shepherd is going to be taking us on. And it says that he is going to be leading us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. As our shepherd, God himself is going to be the one leading us on this journey. And as sheep, it's not our job to find the path. It's not our job to blaze a new trail. Our only job as sheep is to follow the shepherd's lead. If we stay close to the shepherd, then we're going to stay on the path. But where does this path then take us? The very next line in verse 4 says it's going to take us through the valley of the shadow of death. Now that might seem like a strange location for a good shepherd to take his sheep. But God does not call these paths paths of safety or paths of comfort. He only calls them paths of righteousness. And David, as he writes this, he's assuming that all of us are going to go through this valley. Not around it, not over it, but through it, even himself. He says, even though I walk through this valley. But the good part is, is that this is only a shadow. Shadows can be dark, they can be scary, they can, they can be intimidating to us. But a shadow is just a shadow. And it can't hurt us. And physical death, as scary as that may seem cannot do any eternal harm to a follower of Jesus because death has already been defeated by Jesus. And so Psalm 23, we, we sense that David has not this sense of fear but this confidence because he says, I will fear no evil. He describes his activity in this valley as, as walking. When sheep are afraid, they don't walk, they run. When we're afraid, we tend to run more than we walk too. But we walk whenever we feel safe. So David is not running scared through this valley. Psalm 23 is not a desperate plea for help from David, asking God to please help me, please save me, please get me out of here. This is a confident psalm of rejoicing in who God is because of all that he has already done as the good shepherd. And that leads us to what I think is the pivotal point in verses 3 and 4, when David gives the why behind this lack of fear when he says, for you are with me. In verses 1 through 3, David is talking about God. He says, he makes me, he leads me, he restores my soul. But now in verse 4, there's a shift. And David is no longer just talking about God. He's talking to him. He says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I believe that this is the secret behind David's confident joy. I believe that this is the source of his thankfulness. It is the presence of the shepherd. You are with me. We can be thankful this morning 
for God's presence. As we walk through the dark valleys of our lives, we can look up to God and say, thank you for being here with me. Thank you, God, for being a good shepherd to walk with me through the most dark and difficult moments and valleys of my life. You see, it's not about where we are. It doesn't matter whether you're in the green pastures, whether you're beside the still waters, or whether you're walking through the darkest valley you've ever been in. The only thing that matters is who you are with. Are you with the shepherd? That's the only thing that matters. And so many times in my own life, I've worried more about where I am or where I'm going to be along life's path instead of simply making sure that I am with the shepherd. If you're a follower of Jesus, God has you on a path. He has not only placed you on that path, he has promised to be present with you along the journey. He's with you when life is good and you're by the green pastures. He's with you when life is difficult and you're in the darkest valleys you've ever been in. So wherever you find yourself today, whatever uh, situation you are in right now, whatever dark valleys you've had to go through this year, right where we're seated, I want us to take a moment to thank God for his presence. Like David, I want us to shift from just talking about God, and I want us to instead talk to him. Let's take a moment and thank God for how he has always been present with us. If you're going through a valley right now, ask God for help through the dark valleys of your life. Thank him for being there and never leaving you and never forsaking you. So as we continue to worship together this morning, let's take a moment to thank our good shepherd.
shepherd I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Well, we got some kids in the house. Any kids? Raise your hand, kids. Kids, what holiday are we celebrating this week? Say it out loud, kids. I can't hear you. Woo, we got Thanksgiving, which means we're celebrating with eating. Who's excited about that? Hallmark. Don't play Hallmark. You don't like to eat. Who's excited about celebrating with some eating this week? That's right. Because some of y'all got some good cooks in your family. You got some dads and moms and grandmas and uncles who are ready to fry some turkeys, make some pies. But I want you to pretend this year that God is the one preparing your feast. All right, so God's just going to speak some words, and, and the creamiest mashed potatoes and gravy is going to show up on the table. He's just going to say something, and the most moist turkey you ever had is going to just pop up on the table. Uh, he, he's just going to say the words, and the best green bean casserole you ever had is going to show up. And I, I see some of y'all making a yuck face about green bean casserole. But you haven't had God's green bean casserole, and I'll tell you what. It's heavenly. Uh, but God is preparing this awesome feast, and the best thing about these kinds of meals is you sit down and you're waiting for your cousins to show up because they're late, and, and your, your brother and sisters and, and your siblings and uh, your nephews and your grandkids, and you're sitting there waiting. You're about to dig in, and if Thanksgiving isn't possibly awkward enough, depending on who your family is, God decides to invite your enemies. 
uh, if we could put it up on the screen, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I think there should be a question mark right there. In the presence of my enemies? Like we, we had this whole chapter and it's beautiful and God is caring for us in the pastures and, and just seeing us through, uh, even in the shadow of death, like God is with us and it's, it's nice. And then he's got this awkward meal with our enemies. And it just got me thinking, what is up with that? Uh, we would see later on that Jesus would tell us to love our enemies. So this isn't like a, a jab to our enemies that are in there. But I think the next part is what tells us God's motive in this, this meal. It says, you anoint my head with oil. Now, in biblical context, this would mean that uh, um, most famously, like David, when, when he was being anointed by Samuel, it was because God had chosen him to be king. And so in this situation, God is showing us, he's showing everybody that he has chosen us. Um, and this tells me that God's love is not a secret love. It's not just over in the pastures when it's just you and him. It's in front of everybody, including your enemies. And so it doesn't matter so much of who your enemies are, but what they represent to you. Because when that person walked in, they represent maybe someone who's abused you in your past. Or maybe as an adult even now. Someone who knows your weaknesses, someone who knows the choices that you made and the consequences you paid for those choices. But here's the thing. You're about to eat, and the enemy says, hey, hey oh, God, you don't, want, you don't want to eat with this guy. This guy is uh, lazy. He's undisciplined. In fact, I would say he's weak. But God, in front of everybody, says, oh, well, my grace is sufficient for him because my strength is made perfect in his weakness. And the other enemy says, oh, God, you don't want to eat with her. I know her. In fact, I know what she's done. Everybody knows what she's done. And you don't want to eat with her. She's dirty. She's useless. You don't want to give her your love. And God says, if anyone is in Christ, behold, he's a new creation. Old things are gone away. Behold, all things are new. You see, he is in front of everybody, including your enemies, saying, I've chosen this person. I've chosen you, kids worker, to show up every Sunday morning and teach the kids. I've chosen you, band. To, to use your musical gifts to lead my church in worship. I've chosen you, Pastor John, to stand up here and faithfully preach God's word every Sunday. I've chosen you, Mom and Dad, in front of all your enemies to train up your children in the way they should go. God has chosen you, and he loves you. Now, one great thing that happens at, at, at uh, Thanksgiving, it's really a mom thing. It doesn't really ma matter what culture you're from, black, white, Latino, whatever. Moms love to give you more food, Right? You done eating seconds, you asked forgiveness for that, and then you went back for thirds. You probably already got dessert. And then mom comes around the corner with another plate. And, and if you're visiting, if you're a guest at someone else's house, it's not even your family, you better eat that plate. You can't turn it down. And we see here that after God has shown in front of everyone that he has anointed our heads as well, you are chosen. It says, my cup overflows. He say it's not so much about the food. Moms don't care. They've been working on the food all day. It's they want to show you how much they love you. They've been working all day on this food just so that you can come and eat your fill. And God is saying the same thing. Uh, I, I've given you so much, but I want to give you even more. I started thinking about this, that oftentimes we just say thank, thank you for the blessings that we see when, in fact, those are the overflow. The, the grace and the mercy, that's just, that's just in there already. Jesus has given us at the cross, and he's just given us a beautiful family as the overflow. He's given us uh, the ability to taste this food, the ability to hear this music. It's just the overflow of him lavishing his love upon us. And so the psalmist says, Surely, after all these things, 
Surely after the green pasture and the still water, my, my only conclusion is, surely after I've gone through the valley of the shadow of death, the, the only thing I can think of after going through this awkward meal with my enemies, surely after the anointing oil, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I started in the pasture, but I will end in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So we're thankful for his, uh, for his provision. We're thankful for his presence. But will you receive his promise? Later on, Jesus will say that he is the good shepherd. Because, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. God loved you so much that he died on a cross, not only just to forgive your sins, but to give you a life more abundantly, to give you a Thanksgiving meal, to give you over and over again a cup that's overflowing with his love and blessing. Will you receive that promise? And so as the band, we're going to sing another song. If you know Jesus, this is your time to worship. Just like David started out remembering God's goodness, he ended with worshiping God's greatness. I want you to sing. Let's go ahead and stand up. If you know Jesus, I want you to sing as, as loud as you can. If you don't know Jesus, or maybe you're just not sure, this is the time to work it out with God. God has loved you and has brought you here today to Fort Worth, Texas, Hallmark Baptist Church, to let you know that he loves you. He's ready to forgive your sins. He's ready to come and live with you and walk with you through the dark valleys, to take you to, to, to green pastures and still waters. Would you talk to the Lord right now? Talk to the Lord and let's worship.
God's people said. Thank you. May be seated this morning. Isn't God good? I threw you off, didn't I? Let's try it again. God is good? And all the time? I want you to turn me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. And this morning, I know we have our family worship. I'm blessed to have our kids in here with us today. And uh, I know, Mom and Dad, you're stressing that your kid is not going to be good enough, right? But that's okay. We're all in this together, right? And so I think today is a great opportunity as we partake of communion. We have the Lord's table. That it's a great opportunity for us as parents, for us as leaders to teach our kids what this means. What, what are we doing here? What, are, what is this, the silver plates here? And why does Pastor John have that suit on, Right? Some of you are not used to me wearing a suit, and, and uh, this is just a personal preference of mine. Uh, culturally, in our culture now, really the only two times I wear a suit is for um, a marriage and for a funeral. And so kids today, what we are doing here today is we're having a memorial service for Jesus. And so communion is just a remembrance of Jesus on the cross. It's a remembrance of what he did for us. And so when Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 talks about this, what Paul is recounting, what, the, what he says the Lord told him, 
And what the Lord was telling him was just a, a recounting of what happened the night that Jesus would be arrested, the night that the soldiers would meet him in the garden. And right before they went to the garden, Jesus and his disciples were what we call the upper room. And in the upper room, they were celebrating Passover. They were looking back to when the nation of Israel got out and got freed from bondage out of Egypt. And so they were celebrating that the Passover, the lamb, the blood of the lamb. If you remember the story, as Moses told the people that they were supposed to sacrifice the lamb, they were supposed to cover their door by the blood of the lamb. And when the angel saw the blood, then that house was now covered by the blood of the lamb. And because of the blood, they were redeemed. Because of the blood, they were rescued. Because, they were, uh, because of the blood, they were once slaves, now have been set free. And so it was a picture of what was to come. And in the upper room, as the disciples sat there and celebrated the Passover looking back, little did they know that this day, this evening, the events that were about to unfold would for now forever make them look forward. And Jesus sat there with the disciples. And Paul recounts what he says. And so 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 11, verse number 43, excuse me, verse number 23. So here's Paul writing, and Paul is reminding, Paul is writing to the church about a moment like this, about a moment we are about to experience. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He goes on to say, In the same manner he also took the cup after uh, supper, saying, This cup is now a new covenant in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Till he comes. Verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, he will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let him, a man, examine himself. So let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So today, as we partake of the elements of the bread and the cup, they're a reminder. The bread is a picture of the body of Christ that was bruised and beaten for us. The cup is a representation through Scripture. The cup of suffering is what Jesus uh, pictured that as. And, and, and the, the juice is a representation of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. I can't have forgiveness the Lord can't lead me in the path of righteousness unless I come to him through Jesus. And so it's a reminder, it's a symbol, it's a symbol of the cross, it's a symbol of Jesus, it's a symbol of his body and the shed blood. But, but did you notice there in that verse, it's, it's a statement of faith. Look at verse 26. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So today, as we partake of the elements, we're rem reminded of the cross. And similar to baptism, every video we do and, and, and every statement before someone is baptized is, do you believe in Jesus? 
yes, I believe. You notice they all say, my name is John, and I have decided to follow Jesus. So as baptism proclaims that you're a believer, baptism proclaims that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, so partaking of communion says, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And then Paul gives this warning, examine ourself, that I would not partake of the elements today in an unworthy manner. What he's asking us to do, what he's encouraging us to do, what he's challenging us to do is to examine, not only am I a follower of Jesus Christ, because who is supposed to partake of the elements? It's followers of Jesus. But it's not just a follower of Jesus. It's a follower of Jesus who is walking with Jesus. And so we must examine our lives. Currently, right now, am I walking in fellowship with Jesus? Am I thankful for the cross? Am I thankful for the shed blood of Jesus Christ? Am I walking in fellowship? And so, kids, as we come to this, and maybe this is your first time to ever be in it, maybe, maybe there's some adults in here that you've never been a part of this. And so let me just answer a, a quick question. Should you partake of the elements? And the answer is very simple. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, yes. But there's kind of a qualifier on that. If I'm also walking in fellowship with Christ. And Paul warns us, examine our life. Am I walking in fellowship? Have I given my life to Jesus Christ? Then yes, I want to partake of the elements and I want to be reminded of the cross. I, I want to, as we said last week, the greatest thing that we have to be grateful for this Thanksgiving is that we know Jesus Christ. The greatest thing we have to be thankful for is that Jesus was willing to die on the cross for our sins. We have nothing, I love the way Ben phrased that, that, that the blessing is that we know Jesus, the overflow of that, that, that my cup runneth over, is that we get to be in a church like this, that we get to sit and have a Thanksgiving meal. But the greatest thing that we have to be thankful for today is that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so maybe this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so according to Scripture, you're not eligible to partake of the elements. But here's, here's the great news. That in this moment, right now, you could give your life to Jesus Christ. It's, it's very simple. You don't have to know all the Scriptures. You don't have to quote this big, long, uh, the Ten Commandments. You, you don't have to tithe. You don't have to have so many weeks of church attendance. That right now, maybe this is the first time you've ever walked into this building. You can give your your life to Christ right now. And it's very simple. We tell this to kids all the time. We call it the ABCs of salvation. That I'm going to admit that I'm a sinner. Paul wrote, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'm going to admit that. The B, the ABCs, right? The B is I'm going to believe that Jesus died for my sins. Has already been quoted this morning, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, that means you, that he's chosen you, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So I'm going to admit I'm a sinner. I'm going to believe that Jesus died and took my place. 
and the sea, I'm going to confess. I'm going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Would you say that with me this morning, Jesus is Lord? Would you, would you say that with me on the count of three? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. This morning, if you've never followed that pattern, admitting, believing, and confessing, right now in this moment, just talk to the Lord. God, I admit, I agree with Scripture that I've sinned. And God, I believe that Jesus died to take my place. And I confess that Jesus is Lord. And I give him my life and I surrender my life to him. I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes for a moment. And as our eyes are closed, I'm going to ask those who are prepare to receive the elements. Would, would you come, those of deacons and trustees and our board members, would, would you take your place at this moment? For the rest of us sitting here this morning, I just want to ask real quickly, maybe this morning you made that decision. You walked through those steps, I, admitting, I'm believing, I'm confessing, and you made Jesus your Lord today. As our eyes are closed, I, I don't want to embarrass you, I don't want to draw attention to you but I would love to celebrate with you. I would love to pray for you. If you made that decision today, would you just put your hand up for a moment? Just put it up right now. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. Anyone like that this morning, just put your hand up right now, wherever you're at. Just hold it up high. Hold it up for a minute so I can see. I see one hand. Anyone else? For the rest of us today, would you just take a moment? We're just gonna we're gonna sit here in the silence as, as Ben plays. And I want you to do what Paul has asked us to do, to examine my walk with Christ. Am I walking worthy of the calling by which I've been called? Am I walking worthy of the cross? Am I walking worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross for my sins? Am I walking worthy of the punishment and the cruelty that he brought upon himself because he loved you? come before you today. Lord, I pray for those in here this morning that are, are taking the opportunity to maybe repent of some attitudes they've had, maybe doubt or fear, the sin in their life, Lord, that, that they sometimes cling to instead of you. Lord, I pray in my own life that as I partake of these elements, Lord, that my life would be pure before you. Lord, forgive me of, of my own pride. Forgive me, Lord, of my own selfishness. Forgive me, Lord, of being apathetic. Forgive me, Lord, for making things be about me and not you. 
Lord, I pray in these moments that as we partake of these elements, that we would be reminded of the greatest sacrifice, the greatest gift, the greatest thing that we have to be grateful for today, the willingness of Jesus to die for me, that I could have life, that I could have forgiveness, that I could be restored, that I could have a home in heaven, that I could honestly say, great are you, Lord. That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. We love you, Jesus, and we ask that you would continue to speak into our hearts this morning. It's in the precious and powerful name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said, amen.